Lord Jesus, we're asking that you will work in our hearts tonight. We understand that what, what we're talking about tonight isn't going to make any difference in our lives unless you do your Holy Spirit work. And so would you anoint us with your power, with your uh, spirit to open our ears and our eyes and our hearts to understand what you have to say to us. We're asking for that. We're asking for that tonight, Lord. Would you change us? Would you speak even to me? In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, guys, this is what we're doing tonight. We're taking a detour, like I said, from Dr. Luke's account of the life of Jesus, and we're trying something that's along the lines of something we do on Tuesday afternoon at 3.30. Does anybody know what happens that Tuesday, on Tuesday afternoon at 3.30? Bible Q&A, right, and we've had so much fun in Bible Q&A, and people come and ask all kinds of questions, and so we're going to try that tonight. We've never done it with um, a big the big group like this before. We're going to try it. This is how we're going to do it. We've got a, uh, uh, a a site, a website up here, goo.gl slash slides dash u-t-y-c-8-p. Okay, if you guys get your phones out, and you put all that in your phone, then uh, this is what I want you guys to think about is um, what is it, what, what do you guys, as you're studying the Bible, and all of you guys are studying the Bible every day, right? Yeah. Okay, thank you. Uh, as you're studying the Bible, I know that there's just so many times that you guys are like, I'm not sure what this means. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do about this. And the reason I know is because every day I get texts from you. Okay, I think I got a few today. And so I thought, you know what, let's just try this. I don't know if this is going to work. I'm taking a little bit of a risk here because somebody's going to ask me some question that I don't have any idea what the answer is. Um, but you guys, the rest of you are going to help me with that. And, uh, and if this works, we'll probably end up doing this sometimes, okay? So I want all, all everybody to be engaged in what is happening here, okay? So you got the website right there, and um, you guys can start. How's this working? Tobias set this up this afternoon. So, okay. So, okay. So who did, here we're going to go with this, Okay. And um, some of these questions will be like one-sentence question answers, and some of them are going to um, take us the rest of the evening. So here we go. Um, and then I think what's going to happen up here is you're going to, Christian's going to do something. We realize we can't have this and questions on the screen at the same time, so. Okay, I might use the whiteboard, but okay. I'm getting some questions here, so we're going to, um, we're going to, we're going to look at, at the questions that you guys are sending in here. And... First question that somebody's asking is, who did Cain marry if he was sent away? Here's, does anybody know the answer to that question? I know you guys have hypotheses, but you know what? The Bible doesn't say. So I don't know what the answer to that is, but I know that he married a person because he had kids. So he had a wife somewhere, and whether that was his sister or God miraculously provided another answer uh, or another, another wife for him, I don't, we don't know. So we don't, we, we don't have a good answer to that question. Okay, second question. How do you how to know when Jesus is trying to ask something of you? Okay, uh, that's we skipped a few here, and we can go back to there. Um, how, how do you know when Jesus is trying to ask something of you, guys? Let me let me just start by saying this in answer to Blake. Oh, that's anonymous. Oh, Blake's got his name there. Okay, and you guys can do, hit the anonymous button if you don't want us to know who you are. But Blake asked this question: How do you know when somebody is when Jesus is asking something of you? Here's what I want to say to start with: that is that Jesus is asking something of you. Okay? Hebrews 10.25 says, somebody look at Hebrews 10.25, or Hebrews 12.25, sorry. Hebrews 12.25 says what? Just read that one verse. Okay, right there. See to it, you can stop right there. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. The implication is that Jesus is speaking to you. Jesus is speaking to you guys tonight. So how do you know what he's saying? Well, 
um, so if you guys were here probably two months ago, we talked about hearing the voice of God. We could play, I could get a recording. If you guys remember this, I could get a recording and it could play you a clips of a thousand people saying, Blake, it's time for dinner. And you'd be, and you could hear 999 of those. And, and when your mom's voice came up, you'd be like, that's mom's voice, right? How do you know it's mom's voice? Because how? Because you know her voice. Here's the deal. God is speaking to you guys. God is speaking to you today. The reason that you have tr- so much trouble understanding what God is saying to you is because you have so many things that are competing with his voice. And if you guys really want to hear his voice, he doesn't speak very loud. In fact, you guys know the story of Elijah and, um, after he has got this victory on the top of Mount Carmel and he defeats the prophets of Baal and the result is that the prophets of Baal are killed and Elijah is cheering and the people are cheering for him. In fact, they're cheering his name saying, Yahweh is God. That is, that is what Elijah's name means. And he comes down off the mountain. He runs back to Jezreel. He is pumped up. He's psyched. And he's like victory for God. And what happens? You guys remember? The next day, Jezebel, the queen, she's going to kill him, right? And he's, he's just defeated this, this enemy uh, religion, religious group. And he's scared of this one woman. And so he runs. And he runs for, you guys have many, remember how many days he, he runs down there for? He goes to Mount, where does he go? Mount Horeb, right? And he's just, he's just discouraged. And when he gets to Mount Horeb, do you guys remember the, what happens there? There's an earthquake. What happens next? There's a fire. There's the wind. And God's voice isn't in any of that stuff. And then finally, after all this time that, that Elijah's seeking... Things are quiet enough, and he hears God's voice like a whisper. Guys, what that, that teaches us is God's, the way that God speaks to you guys is not with the fire and the wind and the earthquake. He speaks in a still, small voice. Do you guys understand that? The way that God's going to speak to you is not going to be a, as a voice that competes with all the movies and all the music and all the stuff. You're going to hear his voice by by listening. Now, the one more thing that I want to say, you guys, is that if his spirit is in you, how many of you guys have the spirit of God living in you? Okay, you guys do. This is what, in fact, I think Aaron just said this, or somebody just said that, that the spirit of God lives in his people. You, he quoted from, uh, from first, first Corinthians 3.16, where it says, do you not know that the spirit of God lives in you, that you're the temple of God? Here's the deal, guys. Do you guys remember, just in, I'm still answering Blake's question. When you were little, you had to really concentrate on getting your mind to communicate with your hand, right? Do you guys remember? No, you don't remember because you were little. But you've seen babies do it. It's like they're trying to pick up the pen, and they're like, have you guys seen the babies do it? And it's like their mind is telling their hand to do something. And it's like squeeze, and they can't quite do it. And they have to re- their hand has to really focus on what their mind is saying, right? But as, they gr- as you grow... You guys don't even think about it. It's instantaneous. This, this is the deal, guys, is that as you get to know the Spirit of God, His Spirit is, dwell, is dwelling in you, and the, the communication between the Spirit of God and what you do if your eyes are on Him is going to be instantaneous, just like your mind communicating with your hand. It comes at a, at a, at a level that is deeper than words. Now, some, God does speak with words, but so many of you who know God intimately, you guys walked out the will of God. You did today what God was calling you to do, and you did it without thinking about, God, am I supposed to go right or am I supposed to go left? Okay? Does that help at all, Blake? Okay, guys.
Another question. How to know when Jesus... Oh, that's, scroll down. Oh, scroll up. Okay. Um, are we perfect? Hebrews 10.14. You guys want to answer that? Somebody look up Hebrews 10.14. Okay. He has perfected those who are still in the process of being sanctified. Okay. What does sanctified mean? What does sanctified mean? He has perfected those who are being sanctified or being made holy. There's that, that's what sanctification means, is being made holy. What's holiness, guys? What is it? Is, is holiness the same as righteousness? Set-apartness, yeah. It's like, you guys remember when you were kids and you had those, those plates that you could drop on the floor and they didn't break and you used them every day? And then when Aunt Janie came, mom got out these, like, dishes that you weren't allowed to touch. Remember that? You guys all had an Aunt Janie, right? Okay. You got all these dishes out that you weren't allowed to touch. And those were those, like, those set-apart dishes that were set apart for, for good things. So you guys, are be, you guys are being made whole. You're being set apart. But what the, what the question is, is are you perfect? Once again, let's go back to the, the, where the temple of God is. Where's the temple of God? It's us. You guys have the temple of God. Can the, can the Holy Spirit of God live in an unclean place? Huh? Can the Holy Spirit of God live in an unclean place, guys? No. Can you guys live in an unclean place? Yeah, you guys, I mean, I'm, I'm joking. Yeah, you guys live in all kinds of, I've seen your rooms, man. It's like... <laughs> Man, did your mom teach you not to, not to vacuum? Okay. Here's the deal. You guys can live in dirty places. The Holy Spirit, the perfect God, cannot live in an unclean place. He was, he was untouchable by human hands. He was unseeable. This, that's why there was a curtain in front of the ark, so that, he, so that the, not to protect the ark from the people, but to protect the people from the glory of God. God is perfect, and he cannot live in an unclean place. And so here's the deal. If God lives in you, what does that make you? You must be clean. How many of you guys are perfect people? Okay, here's the deal. You are perfect people not because you are perfect in your own righteousness. You're not. But you guys are perfect people, and you've got to get this written on, the, on your heart, on your mind. You guys, are in God's sight, are clean. You're clean. You're forgiven. In fact, Aaron read that scripture from 1 John 1, 9. This says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive your sins and cleanse you from 95% of your unrighteousness. No way, Jose. What is it? All. Here's the deal, guys. You have been cleansed by the washing of Jesus, and you are clean people judicially. Do you guys understand that? Judicially, from God's perspective, God is the righteous judge. He looks at you and says, Jesus paid for Ethan's sin, and Ethan is perfect. He did it. Did you hear what Ethan said? He did it. Jesus paid for Rebecca's sin, so Rebecca is perfect. Jesus paid for Emmanuel's sin. Jesus paid for Timothy's sin. Jesus paid for Amin's sin. All of it. All of it. Jesus paid for all of it. Therefore, you guys judicially are perfect. Do you guys get it? There is no condemnation for the people of the cornerstone. Zero. I mean, somebody, somebody asked me just recently about, about how do I deal with all the guilt in my life? Let me tell you how you do the, the deal with all the guilt in your life. You guys want to know? 
How many of you guys felt guilty? I mean, yeah, some of you were like, if I raise my hand, then I'm, then I'm confessing my sin. You know what? Here's the deal. You, if you guys struggle with the fact that you've done some rotten things this week, some of them are hugely big rotten things, and some of them are just like, you know, you just neglected to pay attention to your mom when she needed you or something like that. You know, we feel guilty about all kinds of stuff. But you know what? Jesus invites you to take all the guilt that you have and just say, that's yours, Jesus. Imagine, I mean, just if you, if you think about the people in this room right here, the people in this room have hurt each other at times, right? You know what it's like when somebody's hurt you? It's like, you know, Jessica, Jessica made an ugly face at me. And of course, Jess can't make ugly faces. Okay. Jess, Jess, Jessica forgot to, you know, treat me with respect. You guys know what it's like. When, when there's somebody that's hurt your feelings, and then you're in the room with them, and you don't know what to say, and there's awkwardness, what if you guys could do this? What if you could take all that awkwardness, I mean, you know, if Aaron's treated you bad, and you got this, like, seed of, like, Aaron doesn't like me, and you could just pass that on to me. So all the awkwardness that you felt against him, instead you gave it to me, and I could take all of your awkwardness, and every person's awkwardness, and put it on me. So there'll be like zero, nothing, nothing in, not one drop of imperfection in your relationships with each other. Wouldn't that be cool? And you ever going, but that wouldn't be, that wouldn't be right to put all that junk on Steve. Yeah, it wouldn't be right. But you know what? Jesus invites you to put it all on him. All of your muck, all of your guilt, all of your shame, all of your sorrow, all of your disappointment, all of it, taking it and going, Jesus, I'm just giving this to you. I'm putting it on you. All of it, guys. Tonight, you guys are invited to do that. And you're like, no, that's too good. That's too good to be true. I got to pay for some of my sin, don't I? No. Jesus paid for all of your sin. If Jesus paid for 100% of your sin, how much of your sin and guilt and shame and muck do you have to pay for? None. Thank you, Tatiana. You guys are free. You are perfected because of what Jesus did for you. Now, let me just, let me just one, mention one more verse. That'll help you guys through that. There, there is a, a conviction from God that turns us away from, from bad stuff. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, so it compares that, that godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. Godly sorrow brings, this is what it says, 2 Corinthians 7.10. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves, is it up there? Look at, your, look at your Bible since it's not up there, since we're using the screen for something else. 2 Corinthians 7.10. Guys, this is worth writing down. 2 Corinthians 7.10. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leaves what? Leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. Okay, you guys understand what, it's just, what the Bible says? There's a godly sorrow that brings salvation and leaves zero regret. Zero regret. No feeling. Some of you guys are like, man, I can't believe what I did. I can't believe what I said to Aaron. I can't believe what I said to Jessica. All of that is washed away. No regret. And there's a, there's a worldly sorrow. You know what the devil's trying to do to you guys? The devil's trying to just, like, just pound you with, you rotten person. You call yourself a Christian. I can't believe you call yourself a Christian. You're not a Christian. You're not a believer. God's spirit doesn't live in you. And you know what the Bible says? 2 Corinthians 7.10 says that leads to death. 
you guys are invited tonight to take all your muck and give it to Jesus. Okay, I don't know if that answered the question. Question again was, where was it? Okay. The answer is, you guys are perfect in God's eyes. Okay? Accept it. I'm perfect. That's the truth that will set you free. If you, if you let that truth sink in, you'll live a different kind of life. Okay, let's go to another question. Okay, when Jesus died on the cross, did he go to hell for those three days? Okay, guys. What did Jesus do on the cross? What happened on the cross? Say it again. He defeated death. How did he defeated death? That means that Tatiana does not have to die because what did Jesus do? He absorbed the wrath of God. And what did he do? He took all of Tatiana's punishment upon himself. Okay? What was Tatiana's punishment? Death. What is, what is death, guys? It's an eternity apart from God. Okay? Tatiana deserved. Tatiana and Maria and Steve and Carrie and you. You guys are stinking, rotten sinners without Jesus that Jesus died for because you deserve to have a, an eternity apart from him separated from the author of life, eternal death. And Jesus took that from Tatiana and put it on himself, meaning what happened to Jesus? What's that? He died, and what did he cry out on the cross? My, what, did he, what, did he say, what is it in Aramaic? What is it written in the Bible there? Eli, Eli Sabachthani, right? Is that, why, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why, God, did you forsake me? Why did Jesus cry that? Because the Father had forsaken him. Now, I don't understand that exactly. But he experienced what Tatiana was supposed to experience. But you know what? He didn't stay there. He proved that he had power to, to smash that separation from God to bits. And he came to life. And he's eternally, forever and ever and ever, God. He is God and he's connected with God. And because he proved that he had power over death, Tatiana doesn't have to be separated from God ever. Amen. Amen. And neither does any of us. Okay. Now, is that helpful? I don't know who sent that, but is that helpful, guys? I hope that's helpful. Okay. Next question. Will sin keep you from going to heaven? Even if I'm making an effort to fight it. Will sin keep you guys from going to heaven? Great question, right? What, what sends a person to hell? Okay, so some of you guys said yes, some of you said no. What sends a person to hell? Okay, guys, think about what sin is. Sin is saying, God, I don't need you. I can make it on my own. I'm okay without you. Whatever you got for me, I want to be my, the master of my own destiny. And who has sinned? All, all people. So what is the consequence for all people? Death. Hell. We all deserve to go to hell. All of us deserve to go to hell. All people deserve to go to hell. But God, in his amazing wisdom, he enters into to time and space and becomes a human so that he grows up as a perfect person and he dies so that he takes the sin of who? All humanity. He takes the sin of all humanity, puts it on his shoulders, and he pays for who? Does Jesus pay for all people? Where is the scripture that says so? First Timothy, first, first, first John 2 John 2.2. 1 John 2.2 says he died not only for 
our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. Did Jesus die for the sins of the whole world? Did Jesus die for Osama bin Laden? Yes. You guys got to get that. Jesus died for Osama bin Laden. Did Jesus die for Hitler? Did Jesus die for Steve Hedlund? Yes. Jesus died for the sins of all people. Jesus paid the price for all people, all sin. So why is it then that, that some people still go to hell? Because they, they've rejected the truth that they know, which includes Jesus. So what is the scripture that teaches that? I mean, you guys need to know this. You, you need to be telling your, your professors across the street about this stuff. Because they're going to ask you if, you, if you ever talk about Jesus, they're going to be like, oh, come on. Okay? you got to know your scripture. What is the scripture that teaches that, that people, that even though the price has been paid for all people so that, they, that hell is no longer necessary for them, what is the scripture that teaches that some people still go to hell and what's the reason why? Okay, well, the, actually, that, that says, that, that says it in a, in, a, in a way. The scripture that I want you guys to write down and memorize and remember is 2 Thessalonians 2.10. Okay? 2 Thessalonians 2.10 says this. They perish. tells you why they still go to hell. They perish because... They, yeah, they received not the love of the truth. They, they refused to love the truth and so be saved. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? Did Jesus pay for the sins of all people? First of all, did all, do all people deserve to go to hell? Did Jesus pay for the sins of all those people? Then why is it that some people still go to hell? Because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Okay? Circle that verse. Because, they, because people are going to come along and say, God's not just because why does, he, why does he send people to hell for not hearing? No. They're not being sent to hell because they didn't hear about Jesus. They're being sent to hell because they refuse to love the truth that was right before them. Okay? Is that helpful? I don't know if that answered the question. What was the question? When Jesus died on the cross, okay, what, will sin keep you from going to heaven? So the answer is, will sin keep you from going to heaven? Absolutely. But you know what? You don't have to. Jesus paid for your sin. Jesus paid for your sin. All of your sin. Now, now there's, there is a verse, Hebrews 10.26. Maybe this is what the, question, what the person who wrote this question is asking. Hebrews 10.26 says this. If you deliberately, if you deliberately keep on sinning after you've received the knowledge for the truth, then no sacrifice for sins is left but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Did you guys catch what I just said? Okay. So let me say it one more time. Hebrews 10.26. Guys, you should take notes on these things. Hebrews 10.26. Um, if we deliberately keep on sitting after we've received knowledge of the truth, there's no sacrifice for sins that is left that you're like, well, I want to keep on sitting, but I trust that Jesus' blood covers me. No. That doesn't work. That proves that you, don't, that you really haven't accepted Jesus as your master. Okay? Is that helpful? Okay, am I, just, am I just rambling here? Okay. Is it helpful? Okay. Okay. Scroll up. Let's see. Another question? Is it, there we go. Let's keep from going here, Evan. Okay, we got 12 thumbs up on that, so would you just done Oh, we are. Okay. Ten thumbs up on this one. How can we know if God is speaking to us or if we're making up in our head what we want to hear? Okay, I've already answered this a little bit because Blake had asked this earlier, but I want to, I think there's a specific meaning to this person's question. How can we know if God's speaking to us or if we're just making up in our head? Guys, here's the deal. Where do the desires of your heart come from? If you delight yourself in the Lord, they come from him. 
If you don't delight yourself in the Lord, then they don't come from him. So this, the answer to this question boils down to if you delight yourself in the Lord. What's the scripture that says that? Psalm 37, 4. Psalm 37, 4 says what? You guys are excellent. Say it again. I think you need to be careful that you're like, okay, there's these things I really, 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 really want, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to delight myself in him so that he'll give me these things that I really do want. And I'm going to use him to get these things. That's not delighting yourself in the Lord. Okay? This is, this is the promise here. If you are delighted in him, if what makes you, I mean, where's Enrique? Is Enrique here? Enrique, is he here? Okay, man, I was just so blessed. He came in my office and just kind of pour, poured out his testimony. He's like, two years ago, I became obsessed with Jesus. And I can't, he's like, he was kind of embarrassed to tell me. He's like, I, it's like I can't think of anything else. You know what? With an attitude like that, you're going you're gonna to find that you are following Jesus. And the things that you decide to do are led by him. You can't go wrong. I just, I just want to calm your fears, you precious people. It's, it's, if you're delighting yourself in him, you're not going to wake up when you're as old as me and Carrie and go, I can't believe I did made all those bad choices. It's not going to happen. You're going to wake up when you're as old as me and Carrie and you're going to go, the Lord led me here and I made choice after choice after choice after choice and I see that God's sovereignty guided me through all of that. Guaranteed. Money back guarantee. Okay, what were you going to say? Oh, totally. Psalm 23. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leaves me beside still waters. He restores my soul. No, he guides me in paths of righteousness. This is what Josh is talking about. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Here's the deal, guys. If the Lord is your shepherd, he's guiding you. You're like, well, I don't feel guided. He's guiding you. Guaranteed. Money back guarantee. He's guiding you. Okay. Next question. Okay. Does, does the Lord understand our struggles? Yeah. Yeah. Does, is, is anybody got a scripture that tells us that the Lord understands our struggles? What? Hebrews 4.15. Jessica's going to read it. Okay. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Can I read 16.2? Sure. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Did that answer the question? You guys catch what Jessica just said? That we don't have a high priest? We don't have, Jesus, Jesus is the high priest. He's the one who's, the, who's been the mediator between humanity and God. And he understands what it's like to be human because he was human. He is human. He became a human. And he is a human. He's experienced what it's like to be human. And I had a guy in my office who's, who's an orphan from another country who's about 35 years old. And he's just, he was just like saying, Jesus didn't have to go through what I went through. And it's not fair. He doesn't understand. You know what? He understands. He understands. In fact, have you ever empathized with somebody? You guys know what empathy is, right? It's like, you know, Tobias stubs his toe. And I'm like, oh, I try to feel the pain with him too. 
right? Imagine, you know, imagine I just take a hammer and I like smash my toes so I can participate in it. I mean, it doesn't help him at all, right? But at least I know what it's like. Because that's what Jesus became a person. And every hurt that you guys experienced has been taken from you and put on Jesus. That's what he experienced on the cross. What was so terrible at the cross wasn't just that there were nails through his hands and whips on his back and a thorn, a crown of thorns. And I said, well, the worst thing about the cross is he took all of Tatiana's pain and all of Hannah's pain and all of Rebecca's pain and all of Daniel's pain. Imagine if we could take all the pain from all the people in this room and dump it onto Sophia. Not Sophia. Okay. Okay. Aaron will take it. He's raising his hand. Okay. Now Noah. Noah's, Noah's even better. Let's give it to Noah. He's strong. Okay. Imagine we could do that, guys. That's what we've done. Seven billion people on planet Earth and all their pain dumped on one man, Jesus. Dumped on him. Does he know our pain? Yeah. He took it. Okay. Okay. How do, you, how do you balance praying in faith while also understanding that God doesn't always answer the way we asked him to? Oh, great question. Um, here's what I know for sure. This is what I, the, the, do you guys understand the question? How do we pray in faith? Saying, God, I believe that you are going to answer this prayer. Well, here, here's, here, here's what we are guaranteed. Well, Luke, Luke 11... Oh, come on. Where are we? And will not God answer his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Where is that? Luke 18, 7. Thank you. Um, Jesus says, and will not, will not God answer his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? What's the answer to that question? What's the answer to that question? Yes. It's, it's, a, it's a question that Jesus is asking. Like, well, of course he'll answer. But that doesn't mean he always answers just the way that you want him to. But here's what I know, guys, is that there are things that God wants to do on this planet that will not happen unless you ask him. Do you guys understand that? There's things that God wants to do. I mean, look at you. You're in this room right now. Did God want you in this room? Did God want you to be a part of what he's doing here? Absolutely. But you know what? It didn't happen unless somebody else prayed you in here. Do you guys notice that? Who prayed for, who prayed for you to show up here tonight? Joey Geisel. Gray, who, David, I mean, you, what about the rest of you? Maybe you don't even know. Maybe you don't, I mean, who prayed for you, I mean? I don't know. I don't know. But here's the deal. So, some, you're here because somebody said, God, would you bring Brandon in here? Ian, would you bring Ian in? Jessica prayed, and God said, thank you for praying. Glad you asked. Come on, Ian, let's go. Guys, this, you guys don't understand because we're thinking, nah, God doesn't change his plans because of my prayer. Oh, yes, he does. Oh, yes, he does. Over and over. I mean, think about where so many of you guys are living in the student houses. How do we get those student houses? Because we prayed. Like, God, we need another house. Okay. It wouldn't happen if we hadn't prayed. Okay. So there are times that we pray, and God says, look, I got something more that I'm doing here than you understand. Can you trust me? The question that Jesus is asking you guys today is, do you trust me? You're like, yeah, Lord, I trust you, but I need a job that pays at least $26 an hour. 
And he's and and, and I'm and Jesus, I'm praying in faith. Twenty six bucks an hour in the name of Jesus. Like, like, like you guys think that by sticking that little thing at the end of the prayer is some kind of magical potion to get whatever you want. That is not it. Are you guys with me? Jesus has a plan for your lives that is bigger than what you understand. And when you pray for 26 bucks an hour and you only get 775, you know what? God's got something bigger that he's doing than what you understand. And we can trust him. The, the question is, faith. F- let, me, let me just let, just circle this word faith. <laughs> yes, you can't do that. Okay, here's the deal. Your faith, the kind of faith that, I'm, that I want us to have here at the Cornerstone is not a faith where we believe that God's going to do everything that we tell him to do. The kind of faith that I want us to have here at the Cornerstone is the kind of faith that says, Jesus, I trust you whether I got food to eat or whether I live tomorrow. I trust you. That's the kind of faith that, we're, that he's building in this community here that's going to change this campus and change the world. Okay? So let's not get confused and think that faith means that he gives us everything we want. Is that helpful? Okay. I think we've got time for one more. Are there no more? Oh, there's 30 more. Okay. Okay. Okay, okay. Okay, okay, yes. What does it mean to test God? Let's look at this. Deuteronomy 6.16, somebody read that for me. Somebody read Deuteronomy 6.16. Okay, you should put, put the Lord your God to test. What happened at Masa? Okay. <laughs> Okay, guys, this, 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 we're going we're gonna to answer this super quick. We won't, we, you know, if we had a little more time, we'd go through all the history of what happened in Masa. But here's the deal. What the Israelites did, and what so many of you are tempted to do, is saying, okay, God, I'm going to follow you, but, I'm gonna, but you have to prove yourself to me. And so if she says yes about the date on Friday night, then I'm in. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? That's what it means to, test, to put the Lord to the test. Like, you know, I'm gonna, I'll follow you, but you got to promise that you're going to do this. You know what? There's no negotiating. He is the master. We're the slaves. You're going to follow him or not. No trying to make bargains with him like I'll follow you if you do this. Okay? Okay, that's a short answer. Okay, last one. Um, is depression always a spiritual battle? Okay, if, um, is that anonymous? Okay, it's anonymous, so I don't know who wrote it. it, it here, here's, what, here's what I think, you, whoever's asking that, I think you, you got to define what you mean by spiritual battle. What do you mean by spiritual battle? You know what? Every time you get in your car, it's a spiritual battle. Okay? Every time you get up in the morning, it's a spiritual battle. Right? Am I, do you guys hear what I'm saying? So if, if that's what you if, you, if you understand spiritual battle in that way, depression is a spiritual battle. It is a spiritual battle. Now, if what you're saying is every time that you're depressed, meaning that, that you're possessed by the devil, no. No. No, no, no. But it is a spiritual battle because the answer to 
every situation in your life is eyes on Jesus. Eyes on Jesus. Focusing on him. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he will release my feet from the snare. Where's that verse found? Psalm, yes? Psalm 25, 15. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he. You know, here, this is the message of the Bible. Jesus is the strong tower. The name of the Lord is strong tower. The righteous run to him and are safe. He is the answer to all of your problems. It's not more medication. It's not a better doctor. It's not better food. It's not better um, Money, more money and better job or a better wife or a better girlfriend or better I mean it's none of that the answer is Jesus my eyes are ever on the Lord for only he will release my feet from the snare you guys think about Peter you guys remember Peter did something that no person has ever done before except Jesus what did he do he walked on water he's like I mean I love Peter's attitude like he's, he's like Jesus that you if that's you tell me to come you guys remember he's like come on come on Peter like, okay, I'm coming. <laughs> and oh, he's doing it. Until when? He takes his eyes off Jesus. And he, how long is it, how long does it take him to go under the water after he takes his eyes off Jesus? It's instant. I mean, it's it's you know, I I, I somehow used to think, you know, just kind of like in, in, you know, he took his eyes off Jesus and then he kind of went down like he's in jello. <laughs> it's instant, guys. Your life, your life is a spiritual battle. You are fighting the forces of darkness. The problem is so many of you don't believe it. Think, I got this. I can handle this. You can't handle walking on the water any more than Peter can if you take your eyes off Jesus. And you can't handle what God's going to lead you through tomorrow and the attacks of the devil against you tomorrow without your eyes on Jesus. And you can't keep your eyes on Jesus very easily because you're like, I mean, you're like, you're walking on this water and you're like, there's, wa there's a wave coming. Um, you guys know what I'm talking about? There are waves. There are major waves. You put your eyes on Jesus and you don't take them off. God has something for you tomorrow that the devil's trying to mess up. Tomorrow's a spiritual battle. Tonight's a spiritual battle. The conversations you guys have right after this are spiritual battles. So let's not just think that depression is like somehow, you know, demon possession or something. There is spiritual warfare going on tonight. Some of you guys, some of you guys are hard having trouble just even paying attention to me. You're like, man, what? Like, one more minute and I'm out of here. You know what? That's a spiritual battle. The devil's trying to ruin your life. Jesus died to set you free. Let me just close with one more verse. Um, John 8, 32. Jesus says, if you hold to my teachings, then you guys really are my disciples. You guys want to be Jesus' disciples? You hold to his teachings. And then Jesus says this. This is the next verse. He says, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will Set you free. And therefore, if you're not walking in freedom, it's because, because some area of the truth is veiled to you. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? Jesus is the truth. He has died to set you free. The thief came to kill, steal, and destroy, but he came so that you guys could have life. And that's what we're experiencing here right now. And it's worth fighting for. Jesus paid for it, but it doesn't happen unless you put your eyes on him. Okay? Guys, let's stand up. Now we got... 20 seconds left. Let me pray, and then we're done. Lord Jesus, we're just asking that the truth of all this stuff would sink in our hearts tonight, and that we would be men and women who walk with our eyes on you, that every person who's here tonight would, would find the joy of, your, of, of salvation, of your salvation, of, of saving them, and that we'd remember to keep our mind and hearts and eyes focused on your word, that you release every foot from the snare,
God, that you transform the places where every one of these students lives, that you transform their families, that you transform this campus, that you use the people in this room to change the world. Would you do that, Lord? We want to just hear about what you did in other parts of the world. We want to see your word and work happening here through these lives tonight. Help us, oh God. Would you guide us? Draw every one of us close to you. We offer you all of our muck all of the sin that we've participated in, all the cares, all the grime, all the disappointment, all the shame and guilt, we give it all to you, Jesus, because you already paid for it. We love you. Teach us to love you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, small group leaders, would you raise your hands? Here are those small group leaders. If you guys need prayer, you can grab one of them, and they'll pray with you and give you a hug. And uh, otherwise, we're dismissed. Hamburgers tomorrow at 1215. And Mr. Kerry Morgan has bracelets for the guys. I could be in love.